just going to uh, continue our uh, series. We're, last week we began a series called First Things First, and it is all about the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then uh, the rest of life will work itself out. Isn't that right? And so that is what we're, we're talking about. And last week we talked about the priority, the importance of understanding about the kingdom of God. And we don't often talk about that. There's in our uh, parliamentary democracy of Canada, we don't have a lot of talk about kingdoms. There aren't too many kingdoms around the world in existence anymore. There certainly are uh, oppressive regimes, but there aren't too many kingdoms. By the way, that flashing on the screen is very annoying to me, and I'm sure it is to you as well. And it's only a $100,000 fix. Uh, and just just saying, so if you're wondering, why don't they fix that? Well, it's just because we don't really want to put a $100,000. This, this beautiful building in which we live, we are uh, sitting there. Well, it fixed. Yeah, but don't worry. It'll come back. <laughs> it's, a, it's a persistent, inter- intermittent... It's a persistent, intermittent problem. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this electrical system is, is probably about 400 years old in electrical terms. And, uh, and then it also got zapped by some major storm uh, recently. It made it even worse. And so, yeah, the, the building will be torn down probably sometime in the next 10 years. We just don't know how soon. Uh, that's, that's only a $20 million fix. So, anyways... Uh, so I'm sorry if, uh, if it's annoying or distracting to you. I, I might be less annoying. If you just want to look at me, that's fine. Uh, the, the kingdom of God needs to be our priority. Jesus said that's what you need to seek above all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, you know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, I've got lots of favorite stories. If there's a dozen stories, I like 12 of them. And if there's 100 stories, I like about 99 of them. But this, this one of these stories, this is one of the stories after Easter. Uh, Jesus appeared to his disciples many times. And uh, from time to time, for 40 days, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to people and was talking to them about the kingdom. And if you could just go to the next slide, um, the, in Matthew, or sorry, in Acts chapter 1, it says that during the 40 days after he suffered and died, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time. And here he is on the beach. I do like the waterfront. Ev and I were going for our walk along the promenade yesterday, and we've, uh, you know, we just, we just say, well, this just never gets old. It never gets tiring. Just love the waterfront. Jesus hung around the waterfront a lot. He was actually in boats as well uh, during uh, storms and calming them. But he talked to them, the Bible says, he talked to them about the kingdom of God for, uh, off and on for 40 days. And like I said, he talked about, uh, this is from last week, we're just kind of going to bring you up to speed here, talking about the priority of the kingdom. And he said that we need to seek first, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you and given to you as well. It was the first topic of prayer when Jesus taught his disciples, taught us how to pray. We know the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Some, some people call it the Our Father. 
And there's a reason for that because people think that prayer in John 17 is really the Lord's Prayer, but we don't, we, I digress. Uh, but in the Lord's Prayer, we first praise the Lord, give him honor, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And that's the, the first thing that we're taught to ask for in, um, in the Lord's Prayer. It was the first message. It was the message of John the Baptist. It was the first message of Jesus. He went about uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. He traveled through the regions of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. They're usually online by about Tuesday of the week that we uh, present them. Uh, today, I'm on, I'm on slide number six already. Uh, if you can just go forward here. Today I am uh, doing a, a, the message is called Lord, Lord, and uh, we'll, we'll go into this. It's all about obedience, and that's one of the words that you don't want me to talk about particularly, but I, unless you want me to preach the entire word, uh, the entire Bible, then, then I will. But God wants us to understand that in, uh, in the world of Christian faith, that there is, there's something called the kingdom of God, and Jesus is the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. And Lord, Lord actually is taken from a number of different scriptures in the New Testament. But what it really refers to, and this is kind of what the message is all about today, and, you know, we sang songs that talked about our faith in Christ, that talked about the, how awesome Jesus is, and in, in a sense, we were saying those two words. We were saying, Lord, Lord. And I know in my life, I've been a, a church person all my life. Ever since I can remember, I was in church most every Sunday. And, uh, you know, in, in my own world, there's been days and times where I didn't really want to serve the Lord. I wanted to have the, the nice feeling of saying that Jesus is Lord. But I really wanted to do my own thing. I know you've never felt like that. But God wants us to understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, this was a very radical, dangerous, political statement because it was you put your life into your own hands if you said that anyone was Lord except Caesar back in those days. And so when Jesus uh, was, was uh, presented as the Lord, that was a very strong, dangerous statement and belief to hold on to. In fact, it, it, um, it still is today in many closed, what they call closed nations. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, in verse 21, Jesus said this. He said, not everybody who calls me or says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the person needs to do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And those are the ones who will enter the kingdom of God. It's not just the ones who say, well, I believe in Jesus. It's those who do the will of the Father. Now, the will of the Father is expressed in many different ways. But it's those who look to the Son and will believe. Those are the, that is the will of, the, of, of God, is that we would believe in him. Jesus went on in this same uh, little tool belt. I don't have a tool belt. Uh, this belongs to Dale uh, Cedar, as does this hat. 
But we're all building something. We're all building something in our lives. And Jesus said, if you will hear my words and will obey them and do them, he says, you will be like a certain kind of builder. Now, a lot of you have heard this story before. You maybe could say this story. When I was a, when I was a kid, we used to sing this song. And it, some of you will remember, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. The wise man builds his... Okay, and then the second verse, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Okay, some of you know it, some of you don't. But Jesus told this story, and we're going to jump off. We were in Matthew. This parallel passage in Luke uh, is where we're going to go here. And uh, Jesus asked the same question, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you sing those Christian songs? Why do you go to church? Why do you call yourself a Christian? Why do you say, well, I believe in Jesus and don't do the things that I tell you to do? And he went on to say this, and starting in verse 47, he said, Whoever, uh, any, everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what he's like. Now, we're going to stop right there because this is not, a moral code. Christianity is more than a moral code, a list of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts, and you do all these things, and you'll be fine. If you don't do these things, you won't be fine. How do you like my hat? Can I take it off yet? I'll leave it on for a little while. Thank you. Someone said it looks good on you. That's, that's really great. Uh, it, Christianity has a moral code, but it isn't a moral code. Christianity is knowing God through Jesus Christ. That is what the Christian faith is all about. And here, Jesus said, everyone, it's not, well, I, you know, I, I got the story from somebody, I got the list of rules and regulations, so I can just put those in my pocket, and I can try to be good, and do my best, and everything will be fine. But that is not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is coming to Jesus personally, to know the risen Christ. Jesus came to this planet because he wanted us to know him, to be with him, to come to him and know him personally. Whoever comes to me, not who read something in a book, not someone who had the Ten Commandments on a plaque in their wall, or on their wall, sorry, but rather it is meant to be a personal relationship with God. It reminds me actually, of the story of the children of Israel. You know, they had this amazing experience. They were, impri- they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, actually. They got delivered miraculously, went through the Red Sea, and they were in the desert for about two months. They had miraculous uh, supply of water. They had miraculous food. They, you know, they, they had these experiences with, with God, and they believed in God, and then God took them to or led them to this place, Mount Sinai. It was like this holy mountain, this place where God was going to meet with them and give them the Ten Commandments. And there was all of this. um, I was just reading it this morning. There was smoke and fire and earthquakes, and it was rather intimidating, actually. And the people of Israel, you know what they said to Moses? They said, listen, Moses, I'm freaking out here. You go meet with God, and then you come back and you tell us what he said. The invitation actually was to come, and they were told, listen, God said this, build a sort of a fence 
around the mountain and tell the people, don't come any closer or they won't live through it. So it's true that there was some danger. But actually, they didn't come up to the fence. They went the other way and went farther away because they were afraid. And they said, listen, we don't want to meet with God. We don't want to hear that voice. You go meet with God and then come and then come and tell us what he said. That is not what God's heart is. He wants you and I to come to him and to know him personally, to know God personally through Jesus Christ. He said, if anyone will come to me, come to me and listen to my word. You know, we sometimes God's ways are so foreign to us as people, especially in our godless culture in which we live here in North America. Uh, It's so foreign to us. We don't even get it. But if we get to know Jesus and hear his voice and hear his heart, you know, it's one thing to have something written out in a statement. But if you actually sit down and talk to someone, it helps you to understand them. If you talk to them and look them in the eye, face to face, and hear their hear their talk, hear how they talk, hear how they say things and, and where they're coming from, and really understand. That is what God intends for us to be able to do, is to listen to his voice and hear his heart and then puts it into practice. It's a lifestyle. It's not like, okay, uh, every, you know, every year I'm going to read this and make sure I'm living up to the standard, and then I'm just going to put it aside, and I'm just going to do my best and come back a year later. That's not actually what Christianity is meant to do. You know, I come to church on Christmas and Easter, and maybe once more in, in the summer. Uh, that's, that's about it. But no, God wants us to have a lifestyle of serving him and so put it into practice. And Jesus went on to say, if, if you do this, if you come to me and listen to my words, put them into practice, I'm going to show you what that person is like. That person is like, and we're going to go to verse 48, uh, that, person is, uh, that person is like a man who's building a house, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on bedrock. And when a flood came, the river burst against that house but could not shake it. Because it had been well built. And so there is, there is a house. If you can go to the next slide, if you would, please. Uh, there's, a, there's a house there, and that was one of the many hurricanes in the U.S. south area. And on either side and all around, there's devastation, and there's one house that was standing. But if you can go to the next slide, please, slide 11. Uh, but a person who hears and does not put my words into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, and when the river burst against that house, it collapsed immediately, and it was utterly destroyed. And you can imagine what's going to happen to that sandcastle. And so as, as God helps us to understand that there is a kingdom, and in the kingdom there is actually a king, whose name is Jesus. Now, if I may, I'm just going to take this off because uh, I'm not used to it. Put that right there. Put a dent in my head, my wife says. When you get old, your skin is not as elastic as it used to be. You've never heard of that before. But in the kingdom of God, when we're talking about the kingdom of God here and to seek first the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, there is a king and there is a throne, and it's real, 
And Jesus Christ is a, is a real king, and he anticipates and expects that really when he says something, that it will come to pass because he's the king. He's the Lord of lords. He is, he is the risen Savior, and there is a throne. And so if you can go to the next slide, please, to number 12. That is not what it likely looks like, but it's, it's majestic as, as that might appear to you. I don't know if you like that or don't. But, you know, the throne of God, if you, if you read some of the descriptions in the Revelation, there, it's, it's actually an amazing place. And Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the Lamb of God is actually, it's a big throne. The Lamb is standing in the middle of the throne. It's a, it's a big place, this throne, and it's majestic. And it, the Bible talks about being a glorious throne. And Jesus has been exalted to a place of highest honor. Highest honor. You know, if, if the Queen of England, who really doesn't have a lot of authority, if she came into here, into our uh, room right now, we might actually feel like we got to do something. Probably need to stand and bow and curtsy and do all the stuff. And we wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do. Maybe you know everything, but I don't. And I'd probably make all kinds of mistakes, but I'd want to show respect. And she doesn't actually even have a lot of political power. But Jesus Christ, the Bible says that, that we all must stand before Christ to be judged. And he, he, Jesus sat down at the place of high honor. His throne will last forever. Uh, it's a scepter. He has a scepter uh, of justice. And it, it will be a, a wonderful thing. We approach. And the Bible says, even though it's maybe a little scary, a little intimidating, and very strong, and very powerful, but yet the Bible calls it a throne of grace that we can approach even now we can, in a spiritual way. We can approach the throne of grace and uh, find help, find, find mercy uh, in our time of need. And so, like I said, this is, this is real. Jesus is the king, and it is, it is amazing. Uh, he told another story, and this one doesn't have the words Lord, Lord in it, but it has the same idea. And I'm on slide 13 right now. Uh, Jesus, he, he said, what, what do you think? He said there was a guy, and he had, he had two sons. And he went to the first son, and he said to the first son, listen, I, I got some stuff I need you to do. And he had, he was... Uh, he had grapes. He probably lived in the Okanagan somewhere. No, he didn't. He, but uh, he lived in, he had a vineyard. He says, listen, I need some help out in the vineyard today. And the first son said, uh, no, I, I can't. I'm, I'm not interested. I'm not doing it. And then later on in the, in the day, without his father knowing or without his father telling him again, he decided, you know what? That's not right. My dad works hard and I got, I got it good here in the house. I'm going to go and I'm going to work out in the vineyard the way my dad wanted me to in the first place. In the meantime, this fellow, he, he had a second son, and he went to his second son, and he, he asked him, he said, you know, I talked, to, I talked to your brother Joe, and he wouldn't help me. Can you please go out and go and help the, the guys out in the vineyard? We, ne- we need an extra couple of hands out there today. And the father went to him and said that, and the boy said, I will, sir but did not go. And I want to tell you, I can relate to this story 
Now, I've probably told this story more than once, and uh, the good thing is you probably forgot all about it, so I'm going to tell it again. But there was, a, there was something that happened, and it was a long time ago. It was probably about 30 years ago. And I offended somebody, which is maybe a shock to you, but I did. I offended somebody, and I knew I did, and I felt very, uh, I felt like that person had it coming, to be honest. And I knew that the Lord wanted me to talk to that person and make amends. And I, I didn't want to do it. But in the meantime, I'm a pastor, right? And so, you know, on Sundays, I'm singing the songs and I'm talking about how much I believe in Jesus. And, you know, he's the Lord and he's the king of glory and all the things we say. And I'm saying, Lord, Lord, quite a bit. But I'm, I, I'm not doing what I was supposed to do. And it got to be where whenever I would have one of, you know, those moments you have with Jesus where you just feel so close and all ooey-gooey and warm inside. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, God, God says to me, you know, Mike, do you remember what I talked to you about, you know, like about 15 years ago? It wasn't 15, I don't think. I don't want to exaggerate. It's probably about five. And I said... I really don't want to talk about that. Let's just talk about how awesome you are, God. I just love you, and I just think you're great. Lord, Lord. And he's saying, I appreciate that, and that's really nice. And I said, listen, I'm not doing that. I didn't actually say it in so many words to him, but actually that was the decision I made. And he knew about my decision, so basically I'm telling him. It's no secret. I said, I'm saying no. And here's Pastor Mike saying no to God. How dare I? But I did. And it got to be where, you know, pretty soon I just tried, I just basically stuffed it. I didn't talk, didn't think about it. And I don't know if God gave up on, no, he didn't give up on me. But he decided he'd just wait. Because, you know, he's got a little bit of time. He lives in eternity, right? So he just waited. And it wasn't much long after that that I thought to myself, you know what? I need to do this. I need to make this right. In the meantime, I had moved to a different city, and I had to, you know, reach out to this person that I had offended. And it was like it, it was somewhat painless. And I'm still, I don't really feel ashamed. I'm just not proud of that story. But that person forgave me right away. And uh, they did know what I was talking about. But they forgave me right away and just said, look, don't worry about it. I forgave you. And it's all good. And I just felt so relieved. So I was like the, I was like both of those sons. I was the guy saying, Lord, Lord, and not doing what he said. And then I was like the guy who said, no, I'm not doing that. But then I went and did it afterward. And listen, it's way better to be the guy who did do what the father asked. I'm just saying. And so Jesus, of course, he says, what do you think? A guy had two sons. So which one did his father's will? Which one was the sort of the righteous one? Well, it was the guy who actually, he started off by saying no, but then he went and did it anyway. And he obeyed anyway. Now, a lot like a lot of Jesus' stories, this was actually a dig at the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees, they were the ones who made it all look so good. And they... Uh, did not always do what they were supposed to. And then the Bible even talks about how there was people who repented. There were tax collectors who were corrupt and, uh, and, and prostitutes and all kinds of, you know, sort of uh, the, the lower criminal nature people. They're the ones who repented and, 
and got baptized by John the Baptist or repented and served the Lord Jesus. And some of the ones that were saying, Lord, Lord, they never did receive Christ. And uh, that is actually my next scripture in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 42. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this is from the Lord, and it's marvelous in our eyes. That's a quote from the Proverbs, or sorry, the Psalms. And Jesus says, for this reason, I will tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. And that is the religious sort of rulers, the the Pharisees and and the the scribes and different ones. He's going to take, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. And I want to read a little bit further in verse 44. It says, the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. The one on whom it falls will be crushed. And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. And they wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds because the crowds regarded Jesus as a prophet. So this this is uh, so important that God expects and anticipates that when he, he... tells us something, that we will do it. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when people tell me what to do. But, and I sometimes don't like it when God tells you what to do, like that story I told you. But it's, it's not about what feels comfortable. It's really, it's, it's who's in charge here. And we're talking about the kingdom of God. And in, in the Christian world, in the, in the world of Christian faith, there is a king, and there is a throne, and there are servants who need to learn what it means to obey. Now, at the end of his life, at the, pretty much the Last Supper is when this, was, when this happened. In John chapter 15, I want to just go through one more medium-sized scripture here and just talk about what Jesus, how Jesus uh, talked about the commandments and the, the fact that there are, you know, sometimes we think of the Ten Commandments and we say, well, we just laugh and we say, well, they're just the Ten Suggestions, right? We just, they're, they're just, I just, you know, we, you should. You really should do that, but you know what? You, you can't always, you can't always just do it. But, the, but we need to understand that when God commands us things, um, what does, who's that pirate guy in the movie that we talked yeah, Johnny Depp, but who's the, what's his name? The, yeah, Jack Sparrow. You know Jack Sparrow, the pirate, you know, in those movies, Pirates of the Caribbean? And, and he talks about the laws, and he says, well, they're just guidelines. <laughs> but these are not just guidelines. They're, they're commandments from our Heavenly Father, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus talked about these commandments. And, and starting in verse 9, John chapter 15, he says, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. So he's talking about love, and he's going to be talking about commandments here. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So the environment is not a harsh environment. The environment is a wonderful, warm, loving environment, but just because the environment is positive doesn't mean the commandments are just guidelines. God doesn't have to come across with the fire and smoke and all that and, and intimidate us, 
Hopefully he doesn't have to do that in order for us to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to do that, and I will do it, and then go and do it, like the one, the, a combination of the, the sons, the two sons, say yes and then go do it instead of saying no and then doing it or saying yes and then not doing it. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as my father's, uh, just as my father's uh, command filled with my joy, and your joy will overflow. So God wants us to be an environment of God's love, and to have His joy in our heart, an overflowing joy. In verse twelve, this is my commandment. My commandment is to love each other in the same way I have loved you. And if you blow it. Just repent, and then you carry on and deal with it instead of waiting like Pastor Mike for five or ten years and just being, you know, once in a while, just being miserable and then trying to forget it and God being patient, fine. But, you know, that that was such an unnecessary thing for me to deal with. I, it was just hard-hearted, you know, obstinance and pride. Sorry. Uh, verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Verse 13, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Lay down your pride. Lay down your ambitions. Lay down your time. Give your money. Uh, give your effort. Help someone move or, or you know, call them up or send them an encouraging text or whatever you're going to do for someone else. Verse 14, you are my friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You know, that's like the back to the Queen of England for a second. You can be her friend, but and you can have a true friendship, except it's not like you're equals. It's not the same kind of friendship like your fishing buddy or, you know, your, your shopping partner or whatever it is that you like to do. You know, there's someone who's more equal than the other in this relationship. So we are friends, and we're friends, Jesus says, if you do what I command you. Verse 15, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Verse 16, I didn't, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And it's not like, well, you know, you owe me now. It was actually Jesus is saying, listen, I chose you. I love you. I like you. I want to be with you. I'm for you. I, I want to give you the kingdom. I'm on your side. I chose you. You didn't even choose me, but I still chose you because I love you. And why do I love you? I just love you. That's, that's why I love you, because I love you. I love you, Jesus is saying. I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that my Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Verse 17, this is my command. Love each other. Love each other. So when it comes down to the kingdom, there's, there's the kingdom of God which has a king, and that king is sitting on a throne, and his message and his voice and his commandment is actually to walk in love. If you hurt someone, deal with it. If you blow it, get up again, come and confess your sin, and get it forgiven. Don't sort of grovel in this feeling of shame and this feeling of not being worthy. You know, I, I want to be your friend. Let's just walk together. I'll, I'll work with you. I'll help you. And I'm going to give you my love and I'm going to give you my joy and I'm going to help you to do the right thing. Jesus says, and this is what I'm really after, is that you learn how to walk in love. Walk in love. Love one another. 
That's what I'm asking you to do. That is my commandment. It basically covers pretty much every other sort of rule that you can imagine. All the do's and the don'ts all are summed up in loving God and loving other people. Love is not a feeling, and I'm just about to close here, but I just want to just see how we can apply this to our lives. As you know, love is not a feeling. Sometimes love has feelings, and they're really nice, and they're ooey-gooey, and, and, and gushy, and they feel good, and, and to, to be in love is good. But love in the Bible is not about that kind of emotional thing. Love is a, a decision to walk in love and do loving things. It's a, it's a commitment to treat people in a certain way, to do things for people in a certain way. Love is a verb. We show love. You know, sometimes we feel, well, I don't want to be hypocritical. Listen, if, if someone is hurting and you go and, you know, give them an ice pack if they bump their head, you know, if you feel a little grumpy about it, just don't tell them and everything will be fine and they will really appreciate it. How you feel isn't that important. It's really not all about me. So it's a newsflash. But it's, it's about walking in love and showing love and helping people. And I got a question for you today. Who do you love? I'm not talking about who do you feel nice thoughts about. I'm asking, so who, who have you shown love to last week? And who can you show love to tomorrow? That is what love is all about. It's showing love. It's, it's, an, it's a verb. Oh, I feel so good about that person. I just love that person. Great. Call them and encourage them. And if you don't have anything to say that's encouraging, wait. You pray. Read your Bible until you find something encouraging. <laughs> and then you can call them or text them or email them and say, I was reading this and I thought of you. Well, actually, I thought of you and couldn't think of anything good to say. So then I went and prayed. <laughs> Don't tell them that. So, I, you know, I went and prayed and God helped me. And this is what I have for you from the Lord. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, oh, thank you. I really needed to hear that. And that is, okay, and if it's not that, it's, that's just one example. You know, make, make a meal for somebody. Bake some cookies if you want. Whatever, yeah, if you like baking cookies, I'd like to talk to you because I'd like you to show love to me. But it's, it's, if we do things in the name of Jesus, in, in a loving way, that's, that's what his commandments are all about. And he'll lead you. He'll help you. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you with that. So we're talking about the kingdom. And the title of this message is Lord, Lord. I don't, I want to, I want our church, I want you and me. I want us to be people that don't just sing the awesome songs that the worship team helps us sing. But I want to be a church, I want to be a people. It's good to go, it's really good to sing those songs. But then today and tomorrow and next week, you know, to show love to people, to obey the commandment, to love one another. Amen. Are you with me on that? Are you going to do it? (laughs) Don't tell me. (laughs) Tell the Father. All right.